in America that have taken place since the 20s. And as we look at countercultures, uh, Jesus set a counterculture with his beatitudes. Hey, love those that persecute you, make peace, do all these things that were contrary to kind of how the Old Testament even was. If someone, you know, uh, did you wrong, then you did them wrong. But vengeance then becomes God's, not ours. And so this is the unconditional love. This is the unconditional forgiveness. And then we become servants of the king. And Jesus boils it down to two commandments, right? Love God with everything in you, your heart, your soul, your mind, body, and then love others as you love yourself. And so sometimes in our culture, uh, there we don't know the love of a father. We don't know the love of a parent or uh, love of, of a guardian. Uh, so then we don't know how God loves us. Well, God loves you unconditionally. There's nothing that you can do that would uh, keep you from the love of God. And if we become a Christ follower, our sins are forgiven, past, present, and even future. Jesus died for all those sins on the cross. Are you with me so far? And so we learn of the, of the counterculture that then becomes culture. So counterculture done uh, enough times uh, over generations becomes uh, culture. So I'll read you a couple that I, that I kind of looked up and, and just talked about. So we learn, we get jazz music from the 20s, all right? Jazz music came out of New Orleans. It started in the 20s. It was a counterculture to like the big band era and some of the music there. And then we learn about culture in the 30s and the 40s uh, through the Depression. When the Depression hit, uh, no mortgage, no home mortgage could be longer than seven years. If you have a mortgage on your home, chances are it's longer than seven years. So a lot of people in the culture that day would pay cash for their houses. And of course, through inflation, houses are much, much more expensive now uh, than they were. But there was a culture there. And then when the war took place, Place, a world war in the 40s, a lot of women went to work, okay? So my mother had to quit high school with one semester to go because her three, three of her brothers were fighting in World War II. And so she quit high school. She went to get a job so she could help with the family finances and those type of things. Well, then in the 50s, there was a new counterculture. Women and men went to work. In fact, women smoked outside the home for the first time. Yes, isn't that weird, right? It's like, uh, well, they shouldn't smoke anyways. Well, that's probably not for health reasons, but they, this, this became a counterculture that took place. And then in the 60s, we had the hippie movement, we had the Jesus Revolution, and then we had civil rights, okay? So there's different countercultures that take place. And then in the 80s and the 90s, we had homeschooling and hip-hop. Now, I told the, the, told the first service, Janie and I, Janie did some homeschooling, but we didn't do much hip hop, you know. It was just wasn't our our culture. And in the 2000s, we had what we called at the time personal digital assistants. They were iPods, right? And Blackberries, and they were then iPads and iPhones. Janie and I slipped away for a couple days this past week to go down to Orlando. She wanted to sit by a pool, uh, needed a little rest. I wanted to work on some stuff for for the year, and um, she said, you're always on your phone. And I was, because I didn't have my 
office with me, so this becomes my office, right? So I, on here, I can have a hundred different versions of the Bible. I can research different things. I, I've got my Greek lexicon. I got my Matthew Henry. I can look at things. It becomes my note page. I'm going to preach off my phone today, and it takes me about eight to twenty hours to prepare for a message each week. And so that gives me my prep time. And I was on my phone a lot, but I was preparing for today's message. It becomes our personal digital assistant. In fact, we were driving through Orlando and there's a street called Regency Village Drive. And when Siri, uh, the artificial intelligence was telling us where to go and how long it was going to get there. And the next right turn on Village Parkway, Durr, she kept saying. And I laughed because she didn't know it was drive. She said, Durr. And I thought, you know, it's cool, artificial intelligence, whatever you think of it is cool, but I like authentic intelligence called Jesus Christ of Nazareth, the creator of the heavens and the earth, the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last, the mighty rose of Sharon. This is what I love about the authenticity of God. And so in the 2000s, and then the, the counterculture changes a little bit in the 2020s, and now we have personal rights, which become uh, maybe without biblical values. We have remote jobs, and we have generational conflict, because we're generations. My father took care of his eight kids, but also took care of a parent uh, for the better part of 17 or 18 years in our home, 14 years with one parent and three years with another parent while we were all growing up in a house of 1,454 square feet with one bathroom. Uh, we had um, 11 people living there. And so people, when little kids say, I got to share a room, I, I had to share a room with three brothers. So there was four of us in one, one, one bedroom. And, and I'm, I never felt un, underprivileged. I, that was just the way it was. We were in it together. There was value there. My dad understood taking care of family. And so today I want to speak to the young people for just a moment. Uh, value in the generation that has gone before you. Value in their experience. Uh, they don't know everything, but they've experienced a lot. And because of their experience, maybe they can teach you some things that you, some trouble that you can stay away from, right? Some things that you don't have to go down that road again. It, it's true. We really walked to school uphill two miles both ways and always had peanut butter and jelly. That's true. That's true. Whatever they tell you, that's, that's still true. But at the same time, there's value there. And so uh, I want to talk to you about counterculture because Jesus came with the countercultural movement. He preached love and mercy and forgiveness and grace. He preached things that the scribes and the Pharisees and the Sadducees weren't willing to give because if you weren't part of their crowd, if you weren't part of their clique, then they didn't accept you. And, and Jesus says in the scriptures, uh, the Bible records in Luke uh, 2 and 10 that Jesus came for all people. Everybody say all all people are invited into the kingdom of God. If they receive Christ as their Lord and Savior, they're invited. You're invited. I'm invited. Catholics are invited. Presbyterians, uh, Baptists, and Pentecostals, and Charismatics, and Evangelicals, and Methodists. We're invited into the kingdom of God, but there's only one way. His name is Jesus Christ. He is the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through the Son. So we enter there through Jesus Christ. Well, he came and he allowed his disciples to become part of him and to belong with him before they even believed in him. 
So as Grace Church, that's what we do. We, we allow you to, to become part of us. We allow you to, to belong with us in the, in the hopes that you'll believe with us that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Uh, that turns some churches upside down. People want to say, no, nah, gotta, they got to think like us before. No, you see, when we, when we have a little baby, they didn't become like us until they were raised with us. And then they started to have a belief in us. They knew that supper would be on the table. They found out that Janie was a good cook, and they started to eat Sunday dinners. And we still have them over for Sunday dinners, even now that they're in their 40s. You see, God is the same way. He believes in family. He believes in friendship. He believes in a belonging for us to have with each other. So Paul takes this then to not another level because Jesus portrayed it so easily, but he takes it to a level that maybe we can comprehend. So we're going to go to Romans, the 12th chapter. We're going to read 9 through 13. And the scripture says, Paul writing, let the inner movement of your heart always be to love one another. He's telling us from the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And then if we don't have love in our heart, if we have hate in our heart, then that comes out of our our mouth. He says, never play the role of an actor wearing a mask. In other words, sometimes we can put on a good show, can't we? And maybe things aren't going so well. Maybe we're having trouble at home or at the job or maybe we've been laid off and we don't know how to tell our our spouse or loved ones. Maybe things aren't going so well even in our personal walk. But the church needs to be a form of family. The church needs to be a place where we can let that mask down and take that guard guard off and let that mask off and, and say, hey, I've got some issues. Can you pray with me? Can you pray for me? Despise evil. And embrace everything that is good and virtuous. Verse 10 says, be devoted to tenderly loving your fellow believers as members of one family. My wife and I have been in full-time ministry for the last 23 or 24 years. And been in ministry ever since we got married 40, almost 44 years ago. And um, the one thing we thought when we got into full-time ministry was we really wanted to make it like family. Because we love our family so dearly, so much. And we love people. And so why not have the people, why, why don't we treat like, now you know families fight. Have you ever fought with a brother or a sister? I have seven brothers and sisters. You think we fought growing up? My stitches, broken noses, all kind of stuff. Yeah, it was real. You might fight with someone, but you don't kick them out as a family member. We didn't get rid of our brothers if they did something to us. We told mom and dad. You have a heavenly father that you can tell. But we love people across the aisle. We love people that maybe think a little bit different than we. We're family. And so when Janie and I came into full-time ministry, we said, let's, let's treat people like family. And maybe it's not pastoring as much as parenting. And I don't pretend to know it all. Trust me, I don't. But we've been doing this for a while, both parenting and pastoring. And I would say this, that if you'll do what the scripture says here, if you'll be devoted to one another, if you'll love one another unconditionally, if you'll forgive one another, God's blessings will be all over you. It's an amazing thing that when we line ourselves up with the word of God, how God blesses and use. Try to outdo yourselves in respect and honor of one another. Be enthusiastic to serve the Lord, keeping your passion toward him boiling hot. I like how the scripture says that in the passage translation. Have a fervor, have a, a fire, but don't judge someone else if their fire is a little different than yours. Keep it, some people just like it, keep it on simmer. You know, once it's boiling, you put it on simmer and it'll stay boiling for a little while. 
It'll stay hot. You're, you're not going to boil all the time. If you boil all the time, the steam will rise up and the pot will go dry. And so there is a, a part of us that has to understand that going to church and hearing the word of God, going to Bible study, going to small group, it may not turn your world upside down, but it gives you a foundation that will last a lifetime. Radiate with the glow of the Holy Spirit and let him fill you with excitement as you serve him. Don't you love the people around you that just radiate? Like when you come to church and when we come to Grace Church, there are certain people I know are just going to lift my spirit up. I just know their smile or their, their energy, they're contagious. I, they, they, you see them and you give them a high five and it's like, wow. This, I mean, this just, this feels good. My friend Boyd Johnson back there, he's walking around, he's checking you out right now, making sure you're being good. <laughs> I pull in the parking lot and I know he's going to say something semi-sarcastic and I can't wait for it. It's like I, enjoy, I feed off of it. He's a friend. He, he's, he's a brother in Christ. Listen, we need people in our lives that, that we can feed off of one another. Our friend Landon Barefoot, we go on vacation once a year with those guys. And, and it's, it's like, it's a joy. It's just, it's fun. Landon always picks out the best restaurants. And sometimes he buys. <laughs> the ones he buys that are even better. times in our life we look forward to that family atmosphere and obviously we can't always be together at all times but on Sunday mornings when we're together and we're moving close together we're adding chairs and we this morning between the two campuses nearly 30 babies dedicated back to the Lord that's beautiful right yeah give it up for that's beautiful I have any high work done at my house, I call Derek Shelfont. He comes over with his ladder. <laughs> he laughs at me. It's not that I'm afraid. I'm just a little fearful. <laughs> it's like I used to climb ladders all the time. I, I got this one knee. I don't want it to give out. That's my excuse anyways. Derek comes over. You need people in your life that we serve with each other, but that service brings joy. Don't give up in a time of trouble. That's when people leave. That's when they walk away from friendships. That's when they walk away from churches. That's when they walk away from businesses. That's when they walk away from employment. Things are, get a little tried. They jump ship and they go somewhere else. Hey, we're not the same anymore. We're, we're, we're doing this. And, and I'm not going to judge them. I'm just going to say, God wants you to stick in. He wants you to stay with it. But commune with God at all times. Can you say amen? Take a constant interest in the needs of God's beloved people. Man, that one will preach right there. Take a constant interest in the needs of God's beloved people and respond by helping them. Not leaving them, not running from them, not jumping ship on them, but helping them. And eagerly, everybody say eagerly. Eagerly welcome people as guests into your home. This is such a beautiful scripture for what we're doing today with the baby dedication and guests and VIPs and friends. And we have people that are here that maybe are visiting or maybe they'll lock in or maybe they're just passing through. But eagerly welcome those people into your home. The verse I want to get to is verse 10 one more time. Though it says, be devoted to tenderly loving your fellow believers as members of one family. Try to outdo yourselves in respect and honor to one another. 
three words here when I capitalized on. The first one is devoted. I love the devotion. Janie and I do a devotion every morning. We drink coffee and we go in our living room. We sit, we do a devotion. Sometimes it's out of a book. Sometimes it's uh, off of our phones, a Bible app or something. But we do a devotion. Then we pray. We pray for needs of people in the church. We pray for our kids. We pray for each other. We pray for the Sunday services. There's a, a devotion, do, devotion. Back a few years ago when everybody started to cut words, you know, uh, some of the kids around here were saying devo. And I didn't know what a devo was. Uh, what's a Devo? <laughs> what's, what's a Devo? What's merch? What's Devo? What are all the, what, when do we stop, when do we stop saying the whole word? <laughs> Aaron, so I call him Ron, Aaron, Ron, Ron, J- Brian, that Aaron's Brian's, who's Ron? So that's your son. No, it's not Aaron. Yeah, we're shortening everything now. So the old people had to get that. We had to write it down. Okay, now we're calling Aaron Ron. Devo, devotion, devoted. I think when we realize through a devotion or being devoted to one another, we see in the scriptures how devoted Christ was to us. To come from heaven, to leave heaven's shores or his majesty and to come to earth as a little baby in a manger and then to die. We're getting ready to celebrate Easter in a a few weeks. I think it's maybe six weeks from today, Easter Sunday. And we celebrate this death, burial, and resurrection of the king, of the, of, the, of the savior of the world. He was devoted to us, and he's asking us through Paul to be devoted to each other. Think of the story in Samuel. We talked about Samuel at, at the baby dedication. Think of the story of Jonathan and, and David at, 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 as, uh, in the book of Samuel where they were best friends. They were compadres. They loved each other. They were, they were like they would die for each other. And Jonathan actually went against the wishes of his father in 1 Samuel, the uh, 20th chapter, to, to let David know how much that he loved him. And Saul said he would kill anybody that did that. Yeah. Jonathan stepped out. Why? Because he had a friend in David. He was devoted to him. And I would say, Grace Church, we, if we could just be a little more devoted to each other, we could build each other up in prayer. If we could pray one for another, we'll talk about that next week. If we could serve one another, if we could, if we could bless one another, brings us to the second word in that, and that's to outdo one another. Not in a prideful way. I'm better than you, but uh, outdo each other by service. Outdo each other by, hey, have my seat, or let me scoot in, or move over, or let, let me, you know, let me serve. To outdo, and, and Jonathan and David do the same thing in the outdoing. In an era where uh, if you served a, 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 a kingship, if there was any members of the king's family left over, then the new king would come in and kill all those members. Happened from 500 or 600 B.C. all the way into the 15 or 1600s. They would kill the reigning king's family or the distant king family so the new king would not have any, uh, his heirs would be heir to the kingship. But David didn't do that. He allowed Jonathan's and Saul's family to exist to the point where he brought in a young man named Mephibosheth. Tough name to say. Say it five times really quickly. Mephibosheth. And, and so he brought him in, and Mephibosheth was lame. 
uh, because he had been trampled when a raid took place as a baby. And so he was something that couldn't literally bring anything to the table. But David gave a place for Mephibosheth at his table and said, you'll always have a room here. You'll always have a place here. Outdoing someone, outserving someone. Janie and I were on a cruise five years ago to Alaska. It was a beautiful cruise, beautiful place. And, and uh, when we walked on the boat, uh, you have to walk by some shops. And uh, Janie's never seen a shop she doesn't like. She, and in one shop, uh, there was a flamingo bag, like a beach bag, that, uh, that she said, oh, I would love to have that. Well, Janie wants it. Mark's going to try to get it as part of just outdoing. And so I stopped in, talked to the guy, and he said, well, you got to buy. I said, what's it take to buy that bag? He said, the bag's free. I said, praise God, I'll take it right now. <laughs> he said, you have to buy three bottles of our most expensive bourbon to get it. And I said, well, I didn't know if the church would agree with me buying bourbon or not. I asked Janie about it. She said, I don't think that's a good idea. And so, I said, okay, well, I talked to the guy. He said, I said, is there, like, would you buy it? Would you pick me like I buy it? Not unless you buy that bourbon, sir. I can't give it to you. It's a prize that goes with it. I, I want the prize. I don't want the bourbon that goes. So he said, no. So the next day I came back and I said, hey, how about that bag? Have you figured out a way I can get it yet? He said, yeah, if you buy the three bottles of most expensive bourbon, then I'll give you the bag. And I, I said, I can't do that. It's not, he said, sir, I, that's the only thing I could do. It was day number, day number three, and I went back again. It's a seven-day cruise, by the way. And so it was day number three, and I went back, and I said, hey, um, you know, I love my wife. She's really precious. We've been married a long time. And for the most part, she gets what she wants. I'm walking out of here with that bag. <laughs> Do you want to sell it to me? He said, You're, the only way you're walking out of here with that bag is if you buy those three expensive bottles of bourbon. I said, I can't do that. So day number four, I stop in. I said, hey. I smiled. Janie was with me. Same guy. Fourth day in a row. He said, I ain't doing it. I said, would you consider it? Man. I'll tell you what I'll do, he said. If at the end of this cruise, those three bottles of bourbon don't get sold, I'll sell you the bag. I said, deal. Good deal. I didn't even ask how much. I said, perfect, we'll do it. So day number five, I looked. I didn't go in that day. Me and Janie walked by. I smiled and waved at him. And I pointed to her like he forgot or something. <laughs> he goes, he liked it. Yeah, rolls his eyes. Day number six is the evening time. We get off on the seventh day. I go back in and he says, I say, hey, uh, did you sell that bourbon? I, I've been praying you did or didn't, but I just want that bag. <laughs> and he said, we have not sold it. I said, can I buy the, the bag? He said, listen, I have never met somebody as persistent as you. I ain't selling you that bag. I'm going to give it to you. Take that bag and give it to your wife. And I did. And she, she used it this past week when we were at the, we were at the pool in Orlando. It wasn't, it wasn't, I wasn't trying to one-up him or anything. He was very gracious to give it to us. I just wanted to prove my love. Don't you know God wants to prove his love to you? That anything that you do for him in a loving way, he'll outdo for you? 
He loves you. But he also asks us to do it to other people. Can, can you make a promise this week to just try to outdo something for somebody? Just, just go that 1% better. Go that 2% better. Just, if, some, if someone needs forgiveness, assure them that you've forgiven them. If someone needs your love, assure them that you're giving them their love. If someone needs that, that mercy, assure them that you're giving them that mercy. And then the last word is respect. So Paul tells us to do these things, right? To be devoted, to outdo, and to respect. Listen, every person, every person alive that's walking the face of the earth deserves our respect one to another. And what happens is when we, when we look at the counterculture, I'll tell you a brief history. In 1989, 1990, 1991, when the Berlin Wall fell and then when Russia imploded, all right, they were actually things that were keeping Americas together, America in church, America loving each other. And even though Republicans and Democrats had a different way of getting there, we all had the same goal. Let's keep America safe. Let's keep America strong. Let's keep America proud. And everybody, the Democrats said, we can do it this way. Republicans said it this way. But we all had the same goal. When the, when the wall fell and Russia imploded, we started to fight against each other. We started that, that, sub, that uh, subculture came from the counterculture that said, we're going to fight. So all of a sudden, 30 years later, we have people in church fighting against each other because of the way they vote or the way they stand. Listen, however you vote, God is still king. Jesus is still on the throne. He's still making intercession for us, okay? And so we, you vote, vote your heart, vote your right, vote whatever. But listen, we have to stop fighting against the aisles in church and against the aisles in Congress because it's the greatest trick of the enemy that caused, that's thrown us off center. It's got us off guard. And so if we don't respect everybody's values, if we don't respect, listen, I believe in biblical values and you should walk by and live by biblical values. Why? Because you have to stand in judgment someday. You need to hear, well done, thou good and faithful servant, seven words that you need to live your life based on. When I stand in front of the king, I need to hear, well done, thou good and faithful servant. And part of that is by we respect each other. The only way that you'll have change in your pocket, trust with someone else, is if you respect. You don't have to agree with their stance, but you need to respect David shows the ultimate respect to Jonathan's family when he invites Mephibosheth back to the table. He gives him back all of Jonathan's land, all of Jonathan's livestock, all of Jonathan's family, all of Jonathan's servants. He gives everything back. He doesn't keep anything to himself. All to one person who's lame, who couldn't bring anything. David shows him the ultimate in respect. Come on back, worship team. He gives him the ultimate respect. Why is that? Why is that important? Well, because when we show people respect, we show them the love of one another because they too are humanity. They're in love with the, God's in love with them just like we are. And so it could be the worst, most hypocritical, meanest person in the world, most ungodly people. There's a sense of respect that we have to show. You'll be better for it. Hebrews 10, 24 and 25 says this, discover creative ways to encourage others and to motivate them towards acts of compassion. Respect will do that. Doing, doing beautiful works as expressions of love. This is not the time to pull away and neglect meeting together. 
as some have come, formed the habit of doing. In fact, we should come together even more frequently, eager to encourage and urge one another onward as we anticipate the day dawning. See, if we can look each other in the face and say, I love you, I care for you, I encourage you, I want to serve you, we earn the respect of people. Romans 12, 14 through 16 says this, and we sang it, I love that song, the blessing. Speak blessing and not cursing over those who reject and persecute you. He's saying you respect them. Celebrate with those who celebrate. Weep with those who grieve. Live happily together in a spirit of harmony and be as mindful of another's worth as you are your own. Sounds like respect to me. Don't live with a lofty mindset thinking you are too important to serve others. Can we give it up for our serve teams today at Grace Church? Thank you for serving. Thank you for being a part of this. Thank you for helping out. But be willing to do menial tasks and identify with those who are humble and minded. Don't be smug or even think for a moment that you know it all. Stand with me today. I'm going to tell you a quick story. We had a friend in our church who uh, passed away in 2015. His name was James. Great person. Great person. He uh, bought one of our sidewalk uh, Sunday school vans. Uh, it was nearly new at the time. Wrote a check for it. He, um, he was an inventor and had 152 patents to his name, 152 patents. He got a patent every 10 weeks for 30 years. When he died, his boss said for the next three years, every 10 weeks, he'll have another patent. He had that many already registered and applied for. James would support our sidewalk Sunday school. He was a great friend of Marcus. In fact, he was in Marcus and Charity's wedding. He died at 58, 2015. But not only did he support our sidewalk ministry, he went on the van every other Saturday to Charlotte and worked 10 hours. And he would buy lunch for the guys on the sidewalk, the kids on the... One day we were standing in the back. He said, Mark, I got to tell you something. I said, yeah. James, he said, I didn't realize Andrew was your son. <laughs> I said, how long have you been going here? Just five years, Mark. <laughs> I said, how long have you been running sidewalk with them? Well, that's the embarrassing part, Mark. Three years we've been going down there every other Saturday. <laughs> he, he was an inventor. You have an iPhone. He invented the glass on that iPhone. Yeah, that's him the menial task part. He didn't think he was too big to serve. He didn't think he was too big to show up here at 8.30 and hop on a van that he bought and drove to Charlotte with six or seven people that apparently he didn't know all that well. It's a super community in need and buy the hot dogs that he cooked that day. That's an example of servanthood. I wouldn't mean I wouldn't mind standing in line with James to see the blessings that he's going to have because he didn't think he was too big. So I want to challenge you today. He don't think you're too big. Don't, don't think you're too big to serve. Don't think you're too big to respect. Don't think you're too big to outdo. And don't think you're too big to be devoted. Bow your head and close your eyes for a moment if you're here today and Maybe, you, maybe you've not ever made that devotion to the Lord. I want you to, to contemplate, 
contemplate my next question for just a moment. Just one second. Are you ready? Maybe you're said a prayer, but really to be devoted to the Lord. Are you ready? Maybe you got dedicated or baptized, but now you're really ready to be devoted to Christ, to outdo the old self and become a new person, to respect the kingdom of God and its righteousness. If you're ready today, say, hey, Pastor, would you pray for me? Just right where you're at, just raise your hand. Say, yeah, I'm ready. Thank you for those hands. Hands all across the building. Thank you. Thank you for those hands. All right, I'm gonna pray for you. I want you to pray in your heart. Lord, I'm ready. Lord, I'm ready. Father, you saw the hands that go up and you know the heart. Those who are ready, ready to be devoted, ready to outdo, ready to respect, ready to serve, ready to encourage, ready to love. Lord, we thank you. We thank you for forgiveness. We thank you for love and passion and compassion. We thank you, Lord, for this body of believers who love you and those that raise their hands saying, Lord, I'm ready to take that devotion one more step, one more moment, one more degree. Lord, would you bless them? Holy Spirit, would you visit them? Would you encourage them as they encourage others? Would you be, continue to be devoted to them as they're devoted to you? We thank you, Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Can we give just an appreciation for those that raised their hand today? We're going to sing one more song. God bless you. We love you.
amazing grace. Wow. What a great message that was. That was powerful. It's a great word. Maybe take it as a challenge this week as we go out the doors. Walk out with the challenge. I'm going to outserve, not in a competitive way, but in a, a Christ-like way. Christ washed the feet of his disciples. Christ gave his only life. So as we go out today, say, how can I outserve? Maybe there's somebody you want to open the door for. Run up ahead and say, let me get that for you. Or maybe you're in Starbucks or a coffee shop and say, hey, I just want to buy their coffee today. Just do something that you want to outserve. Or maybe you look around and a person that you usually sit by, they're not here today and you don't see them then maybe just give them a text or a card or a phone call and say, hey, I just noticed you weren't there. I just want you to know you were missed today. Just out serve. Let people know that they care, that they matter. It's so important that, that we have those words of affirmation that just know you, you matter to me. So, And to all the parents who dedicated their children today, let me just say, that's a great step. That's, you, 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 you made a declaration today that said, I'm bringing my children to the Lord. Now I'm trusting you that you're going to give them protection. You're going to give me wisdom and knowledge of, of how to care for them. And it was like this, this word that you just said, I'm doing this today because my children matter. And so I'm proud of you for doing that. And I just, I'm going to watch God just do blessings upon blessings upon blessings over your life. Amen. So try to outdo somebody in a, a, a godly way, not in a competition, but in a way that just says, I want to serve you because Christ came to serve and we're to be his disciples today. So serve, serve your people, even at work. And they might say, what is up with you? Hey, my pastor told me I have to do this. I have to be nice to you. I have to outserve. So try to do that this week. Awesome. Amen. Let me just pray. Father, we love you and we bless you. And we thank you for this day that you have given us. We thank you for every child that came forward today that, that Lord has been asked that you just camp an angel about them. You protect them. You shield them from sickness. You shield them from harm. You just keep them safe every day of their life. And Lord, I just bless them today. I bless every person at the sound of my voice. Those that are sick in their body, I declare that by the stripes on Jesus' back, they've already been healed, so we call healing in Jesus' name. Lord, we thank you for blessings and promotions. We just ask that you would open doors that need to be open in people's lives financially, but you would also shut doors that they shouldn't walk through, that that's not your plan. So, Lord, we just trust you. Our faith and our hope and our confidence is in Christ alone. So we bless you today. Go with each and every person in Jesus' name. Amen. Oh, we love you all so much. Be blessed. We'll see you next week.